Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Mad Scientist Financial Independence Podcast. Uh, it's been a while since my last episode, so I'm really excited to be back. Um, now that I've finished writing the code for the Phi Laboratory software, uh, I'll hopefully be producing more of these episodes. So, uh, speaking of the Phi Laboratory, if you haven't checked it out yet, head on over to lab.madfiantist.com to take a look. Over a thousand people have already been using it, and I've got some uh, great feedback so far. So, if you want to track your progress to financial independence and find out when you can expect to get there, uh, head on over to lab.madfiantist.com to sign up. Uh, I'm really excited to introduce my guest today, Billy Murphy. Uh, Billy is an ex-professional poker player who uh, now writes about entrepreneurship and business at his blog, foreverjobless.com. Uh, there are a lot of people out there that write about online business, but uh, I have to say that Billy is by far my favorite. Um, he, he doesn't write often, but when he does, it's he delivers these long, incredibly detailed posts that uh, just blow everything else out of the water. Um, Billy's here today to talk about his poker days and his uh, experience investing in online businesses. Uh, and it's the the online businesses that I'm really excited to chat with him about for a few reasons. Um, like a lot of you out there, I'm a software, web, technology guy. So the idea of investing in online properties for recurring cash flow as opposed to physical real estate really appeals to me. Uh, when you consider the fact that some online properties are selling for one times annual profits, uh, the idea gets even more exciting. Uh, to put that in perspective, you know, how, how would you like to fund $2,000 worth of monthly expenses with a single $25,000 investment? Uh, that sounds pretty amazing to me. Um, so yeah, without further delay, let's uh, chat with Billy to find out how that's possible. So, uh, Billy, thanks a lot for being here. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. And so, um, so you, your site's mainly for the entrepreneurial crowd, um, and since mine's a personal finance site, it's possible that my readers maybe don't know too much about you. So could you just uh, yeah, just tell a little bit about yourself and uh, what your site's all about and um, just give a little background? Sure. Um, yeah, so my site's foreverjobless.com. Uh, quick background on, I guess, my, my work history is uh, I was a professional poker player for about four years after college. And then started a poker training company to basically train people how to make more money playing poker. Um, that led to, I guess, me being in the e-commerce space. Um, that The poker company was run relatively passive. had somebody doing operations for that. So I uh, started doing e-commerce stores, um, bought and started probably 15 to 20 of those. And they were all you know really small dropship stores. Um, and then I yeah, started Forever Jobless in think 2012, just kind of talking about, you know, some of the businesses I was involved in, uh, kind of breaking down different, different uh, entrepreneurial theories and, uh, you know, showing what's worked for me, what hasn't worked for me. Um, then I launched, uh, or I guess in the last, I guess, six months or so, um, I've started investing and advising in uh, basically small businesses online, basically companies that need need funding, need advice, um, need, need intros, that type of thing. Um, so I started doing, doing a handful of those. And then I guess most recently I'm doing a podcast, uh, basically same things I talk about on forever jobless, uh, just different entrepreneurial topics and case studies and, um, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. And if people haven't checked out forever jobless, uh, it is by far my favorite, uh, site in this space. Uh, most, most of the, you know, make money entrepreneurial things. It's all, you know, based on things like eBooks and just 
uh, crap that doesn't just seem, doesn't seem like real businesses. Um, but you, uh, you have such a unique perspective and I think a lot of it comes from your, uh, poker background as well. So, uh, let's, let's dive into a, a little bit of that. Um, yeah. uh, so yeah, you, how, how long did you play prof- professionally for? So I did it professionally for about four years. Um, I had played, you know, I guess semi-professionally or part-time for part-time income for probably maybe to four to five years prior to that. So I was in college when I started playing. So, um, I think I started playing, I guess it was sophomore year. So I guess I would have played three to four years before I came, became uh, full-time pro. And, um, did you just get burned out and decide to move on to other things or was it the fact that you enjoyed, uh, setting up blue fire poker, which is your, which is the site that you mentioned before? Um, did you just have so much fun doing that, that you thought, well, Hey, I, I can make just as much money being an entrepreneur as I can, uh, playing poker and it's a lot more fun. Is that, is that how it went or? Yeah, the plan was always to start businesses. So I didn't, I didn't get into poker thinking I would do that for, you know, for 30 years or anything like that. Um, you know, poker was an awesome job, um, but it was still a job. It was, you know, it was a grind. Um, you basically had to put in the work. It wasn't passive. Um, and so, you know, I did poker to build up capital to allow me the flexibility to start businesses and have the capital to do it and have, you know, have a, have a cushion for a while out so that, you know, I didn't have to worry about much. Um, you know, I loved playing poker, but it did, you know, if somebody had said, Hey, let's go, let's go play poker for a week. Um, I, I wouldn't be interested at all because I played so much poker over, over the you know seven to eight year period. I was playing almost every day. And so, um, once you do that for a while, it becomes less of a game and more of a just strategy. You're sitting down to try and make money. So, right. And, and it's that strategy, uh, that, helps you succeed i think a lot in business because uh one of your most popular posts uh ev millionaire millionaires math uh where ev stands for expected value um expected value is huge when you're playing poker because you're just you know maximizing all these small little edges you have and, and you do it enough you'll end up making money and and you sort of use that same philosophy in business uh could you just talk a little bit more about uh expected value yeah definitely yeah so so like you said i basically got the background on expected value from playing poker. I mean, it's, it's a really common term in poker. It's basically, um, any decision you could make, there's a expected value from that decision. So whether it's a poker hand, whether it's, um, you know, someone's job, whether it's, uh, you know, a business venture, there's an expected result that you can expect. And I had, that's a better way to explain it. But, um, Basically, there's an end number. So if it's, we're talking about money, there's an end number that you can calculate to figure out what you could expect to make. Um, the way most people make their decisions is, are very emotional. So basically, calculating expected value gets you to a very logical answer of what you can expect, and then you'll know the correct route to go. So in other words, to give an example, um, if you and I flipped a coin and we each bet a dollar, you bet heads, I bet that it'll come up tails, um, you know, we're betting a dollar where our expected value is, is, is $1, right? We're going to, the winner's going to get $2, but we each put in a dollar. So, um, so basically it's a neutral EV. There's a, there's a, there's a zero, uh, expected return uh, in that case, cause it's 50, 50. So, um, same concept for people in a, in a job is let's say someone's job makes them 50,000 a year. And let's say they're debating whether or not they should start a business. Well, you know, if you're debating whether to start a business or not, the way most people do it is, hey, it sounds risky to leave my job. Uh, 
I might, I might lose all my money in a business. I'm just not going to start a business. I'm going to stay in my job. But that's an emotional um, decision. So a logical decision would be to calculate an expected value from the business. And the way to do that is obviously doing due diligence. Um, you know, for me, I try to calculate out, you know, a top end number. You know, if this, if this business opportunity did really well, here's what I would expect. And I'll, I'll you know, calculate another conservative number. And I'll calculate like a really bad case scenario. And then I'll allocate a certain percentage to each of those things happening um, to allow me to come up with an expected value for the business. And then I'll look at it compared to other opportunities and say, okay, so, you know, for, so for example, the person looking at leaving their job would say, okay, my expected value is, from the job is 50000 um, But if I start this business, my expected value is you know, 74000 based on this math. So they would know, okay, so mathematically it's better to try and start this business where the way most people make decisions, they would never get to that point. They would have to make an emotional decision. And emotional decisions usually lead you away from any short, sort of short-term risk where lots of times that's, um, that's bad. So for example, there's a big difference between risk and variance. So a lot of people get confused with thinking that variance is risky. In other words, I've started businesses that have close to zero risk. Um, you know, some of the investments I make now have close to zero risk. Like there's almost no way I can lose money on them, but there's a high upside side that I can make a lot of money. Uh, but most people would look at these and say, while it's risky, you're risking X amount of money to put into this deal. What if you lose it? Um, but I've already done the math to know what the EV is. And so the only thing they're talking about is more short-term variance. Like what if, you know, once in a while I, I lost on the deal? Um, however, avoiding all these, you know, plus EV opportunities, all those people are basically guaranteeing themselves uh, failure long-term compared to if they just got into plus EV plus EV opportunities um, over and over and over again. Yeah, absolutely. And to bring it uh, into something, you know, the personal finance crowd may, may recognize more, you know, it's like, it's like being in cash versus being in stocks. Yeah. Stocks have a higher variance, uh, but the expected value uh, over time is a lot greater. So right. yeah, you could stay in cash and be safer uh, in the short term, but inflation's going to eat at you. And then, before you know it, your money's not going to be buying hardly anything that you needed to. And whereas if you go in the, you know, quote, riskier, you know, asset, then uh, you'll, you'll end up having a lot more money at the end of the day. So yeah, this leads to another one of your great articles uh, called entrepreneurial diversification. And so, yeah, if you get to talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. So yeah, the way a lot of people do it when they're first starting out is, Hey, here's, you know, five to 10 ideas I have for businesses. I'm just going to start them all. Um, and Doing it that way, there's almost no chance in the world that one of those is going to blow up and be a really big business. Um, reason being, so let's say let's say you took ten business ideas and you tried to start them all and, and at the same time, and um, you, you basically at the maximum, your best idea is going to get ten percent of your time. And so the idea that could have done really well is going to get ten percent of your time, and then. On you know on the back end side of it, let's say each of your business grew to you know hundred dollars a month. They're all you know maybe they're all passive even, but the actual asset value is very very low in terms of a multiple compared to if you built an authority business up. So in other words, if you had a business making a thousand dollars a month and you know it was a it was an authority business on in the you know small space that it was in, it would sell for a higher multiple than you know just a tiny tiny. Uh, micro site that's that's not authority could could be wiped out at any time 
Um, you know, a lot of those businesses will sell for, you know, 12x or less monthly income where a business is viewed as an authority uh, business that has, you know, it's, it's also a less risky site um, would be viewed at a uh, much higher multiple, anywhere from you know, 12 to 36 months, depending on obviously the type of space that it's in. Hey, Dale, let's, let's talk about multiples actually, because this is a, this is a really exciting stuff for, you know, people on the path to financial independence. And like um, for me personally, like, you know, I'd contemplated, you know, investing in real estate or things because, you know, I have, um, you know, a sizable amount saved up and I'm looking for, you know, consistent income and things like that. Um, but I don't know anything about real estate. I don't know anything about, you know, home maintenance or any sort of like, I don't have any of those sort of skills. So then I, that led me to think, well, you know, maybe I should invest in, you know, online properties because, one, you know, I've been a professional software developer for the last 10 plus years. You know, I have a degree in computer science. You know, this is this is the stuff I know, um, and it could also create this type of income. Um, so when I started looking into it, you know, and seeing things like, you know, 1x annual uh, income is what some of these sites are selling for. It's like, whoa, you know, that's like buying a $120,000 house and charging $10,000 a month in rent. So it's like right. there's, there's definitely some opportunity here. Um, so, yeah, if you could uh, just talk a little bit about, you know, your experience uh, – investing in online properties and, you know, how you got started and where it's led to today. Sure. Um, so yeah, in 2011, I started basically buying and starting from scratch, um, just a bunch of small dropship stores. And the first one I bought, um, I had no idea how to do it. I had a, I had a buddy in e-commerce. He was doing really, really well. Um, he had actually never bought anything either. He'd started from scratch. So he told me to jump into it, try it out. And so I went to Flippa. Uh, Flippa buys, you know, you can buy and sell um, small websites there. And there was one that caught my eye that was, I think the buy it now price for it was $6,000. And it was making like 900 bucks a month. So I didn't understand why you would sell a business that was that doing that well and it was passive um, for that cheap. So basically everyone in the comments of of the auction, we're saying, you know, there's got to be something wrong with it. No one would list a buy it now, you know, for this site, if it was, if it was, you know, accurate, if these numbers were accurate. Um, and I don't think at the time the seller had included enough information. So, um, so what I did is, you know, I called the seller, I, I you know, emailed and said, Hey, let me get your number. I'm interested and called her, found out she just had to sell it really quick. Um, I had her send me, you know, the sales numbers and the analytics and all that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and so I did my due diligence really quickly and I said, you know, I'll, I'll do this if you lower the price. Uh, she had to sell it very quick. She lowered the price to 4000 for me and I bought it. So basically a site that was making $900 a month, I bought for $4,000. Um, and, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen. I said, you know, maybe maybe I'll buy it and everything will drop out and I'll, and I'll lose my money. And so I did, you know, what I do every time. I just did a quick EV calculation um, and said, and this was kind of an obvious one. It was, it was so low, but, um, yeah, I said at 50% of the time I lose all my money, you know, I lose, I lose four grand and, you know, but the 50% of the time that this is actually a legitimate business, um, I'm going to make, you know, 10,000 plus per year passively, and I'm going to get experience with e-commerce. And so this was kind of a no brainer. I mean, it wasn't even close to whether I should try it. I didn't, I didn't think it was going to you know, flop 50% of the time. And so I bought it, uh, wired her the money and, you know, sales started coming in. 
uh, you know, a few months later, probably four, four to five months later, I had made all my money back already. Um, wasn't, didn't, didn't have to do anything really. It was, uh, you know, that average price point on that business was, uh, it was a baby, uh, baby furniture store and average price point was like 300 bucks or something. So I only had to make like 10 sales per month to, you know, to make roughly a thousand bucks a month. Um, it was like 10 to 12 sales or something. So it was a super passive business, um, all drop ship. And then I just kept doing that. I kept buying stuff. And that was, that's an extreme example of a low multiple. Um, usually stuff don't, doesn't sell that low. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just kept buying stuff, kept starting stuff. And I guess within eight or nine months I had, um, probably 15 to 20 going. And yeah, I was just kind of amazed at the, at the low multiples you get. And like you said, it's, it's the same as, you know, you look at real estate, you know, you may have to put a, a $25,000 down payment to get a hundred thousand dollar house where okay. then you're going to expect. So, so people say, Oh, you can leverage real estate. So it's, you're going to make more money. Um, and sometimes that's true. You know, my brother does real estate. He does really, really well. Um, he leverages and, and you know, does all sorts of refi cash outs to reinvest the same money in new deals. Um, but with online businesses, you can do it very, very quickly for very cheap. So in other words, let's say you put down for a cash flow business, let's say you put down you know, $25,000 in, in a real estate deal to get a hundred thousand dollar house. You know, maybe you're going to cash flow a few hundred bucks, you know, in a, in a good case scenario. Mm-hmm. And then you look at an online business man. if you put down $25,000 and you're maybe not going to be able to leverage a deal that small. So put tw- down $25,000 cash for, you know, but you might be able to get a site that makes one to 2000 a month. So you're going to make at least five to 10 X cash flow on it. And, but the other big difference is here's the thing with real estate. If you buy a single family home, for example, your upside is so capped. And what I mean by that is if you, you know, the only ways to make more money on the deal is, you know, maybe you increase rent next year by $25 a month or $50 a month or whatever. So yeah, you can maybe increase the amount of money you make a little bit, but it's going to be so tiny to where with an internet business, let's say I buy a site and it's making, you know, one to 2000 a month and I can say, Hey, well, you know, I have all these customers. Why don't I, why don't I, you know, create a new line of product or, you know, why don't I you know spend some money on advertising to see if we can, we can scale the, you know, scale the profits of the business. And so, you know, with an online business, maybe I can turn that business from making, you know, let's say, you know, 1500 bucks a month to now it makes 3000 a month because I put some work into it. Um, so now I not only increase the cash flow, but I increase the asset on the back end. So instead of, you know, my 25,000, when I go to sell it, you know, maybe now I flip it for 50,000 where your, your chance of, you know, doing it so quickly in real estate is slim to none. So, um, you know, I've done real estate myself. I, I bought some stuff, um, a couple years ago. Uh, I happened to get crushed cause I bought it the wrong time. I bought it in 2006. Um, but now I do some real estate investing, but it's through, um, people who do real estate for hard money loans. So basically okay. it's, you know, I get paid like, you know, 16 to 18% on my money. Um, but there's no work. It's a hundred percent passive because a lot of people look at real estate and say, Oh, it's passive. But you know, lots of times it's not a hundred percent passive, but as a hard money lender, it's a hundred percent passive. And all you have to do is, um, just make sure your money's secured against the assets you're putting in into. In other words, just make sure it has enough equity. So if the deal falls apart, um, you're still protected. Nice. Yeah, that sounds good as well. Um, so yeah, to go back to uh, the e-commerce stuff. So 
So you started in e-commerce, you built up a, lot, a big portfolio of e-commerce sites. Um, is that uh, Have you ventured out of that space into other sort of online properties? or? Yeah, so I basically sold off most of those. Um, reason being, it was not not the way I would would do it if I did it again. I would have just started, like we talked about with, with uh, the diversification stuff. Um, there was so much stuff to manage that it would have been easier to have one one business that, you know, somebody could manage for me where there's, you know, 15 to 20 different ones. It was a lot of work for sites that weren't necessarily making a lot of money. And now you've transitioned into, to what type of, uh, online investing? Yeah. So mostly what I'm doing now is investing in deals like, I guess no specific niche, um, but deals that need capital and, Need advice. So, for example, I invested in a uh, startup design company, and so put money in. Um, you know, helped helped them strategy wise. Helped uh, introduce them to people who needed you know, websites done. Um, you know, we put a big big amount of money into advertising uh, through AdWords and um, through uh, things like that to try and get them initial traction that they would have had to wait a long time to get. Um, another deal I just invested in was a. Uh, e-commerce business that, you know, they get their stuff from China. They needed money for, um, more inventory. They needed money to buy media. They needed money to, now we're, you know, we talked, uh, and decided to do a second line of what they were doing. So, you know, we're doing, you know, creating a prototype, uh, you know, kind of be buying inventory for that. So basically the deals I'm looking into, it's, I guess you could almost look at it like, kind of like how a venture capitalist would, would do it or, uh, or incubator, kind of a combination of, of those, but on a very small level. So the deals I'm investing in are would be seen as uninvestable deals. So I'm looking at businesses that maybe need like you know, 10 or 20 grand, and they're very small. The upside on these deals, you know, they're not going to be a $100 million company that, like, uh, like most angel investors or uh, venture capitalists invest in. These deals are, you know... An e-commerce store that's making you know three thousand a month, where with a twenty thousand dollar cash infusion and some advice, um, could maybe get to the point where they make thirty thousand a month. So it's the type of things where the upside is not going to be, you know, a huge huge sale on the back end, but at the same time the the return on money is potentially extremely big for for two reasons. One, because of the fact that no one invests in businesses like this, and uh, Two, because my downside on, on these is pretty pretty safe. I mean, um, most of these deals are either already making money and or they're they're very easy to get them to make money. Like the design design company, for example, that's a company that even if it doesn't go well at all, like it's gone really slow at this point. Um, even if it just flopped completely, um, you don't really need much money to break even on you know, doing design work because you're basically just buying advertising and, and uh, paying for you know, expenses and things like that. So um, where the e-commerce store is already making money, so the downside is, you know, it, it can essentially make back my money um, even if we didn't didn't scale it in a worst-case scenario. And obviously I don't think you could find opportunities like that on Flippa. This, this is probably coming from your, you know, your network of uh, people. Is that is that how these these other deals came about? Yep. So these two specifically, um, I, the first guy from the design company was an intern for me. Uh, and I actually met him at a, uh, conference meetup, you know, entrepreneurial meetup, um, like two years ago, then he wanted to become my intern. So he was my intern for a little bit. 
And then, you know, he went off to start, start a design business and it was taking him a while to get going. Um, cause he didn't, you know, didn't have a lot of capital, didn't have a network. Um, and so, you know, I told him, why don't I just, why don't I just invest and, and, you know, help you out. And, um, so it's him and a partner moved down to Austin and, and started it. And then kind of similar situation with, uh, with the other guy with the e-commerce store, he, we kind of knew each other from, uh, he had read forever jobless. And then he was at, uh, the same, same meetup as I was, um, in Arizona. And we just started talking and I told him, yeah, if he needed, needed help getting going, uh, needed help scaling it or anything just to, just to let me know. And, you know, and he did. And so, yeah, we worked out a deal and, and yeah, I think we just, we just closed that one like two weeks ago. So, nice. so I'm just kind of getting started with this stuff. And there's a couple other ones I'm looking into, but, um, taking it slow at this point. Um, but I'd like to do, you know, at least five to 10 of these, um, kind of slowly and see, you know, learn from them, uh, see if I enjoy it. And then, you know, if it goes well, try and do it on a very large scale. But right now I'm kind of just slowly, slowly dipping my toes in and, um, just learning the best ways to do this. That's really cool. So, um, so a lot of my listeners, uh, myself included, you know, we, we, we don't need too much to, you know, sustain ourselves and we're, we're looking for financial freedom so we can, you know, do whatever we want. And so, you know, like $2,000 a month, that's, you know, that's a, that's a good life in most places that you could uh, have for yourself. So what, what would you suggest somebody who, you know, has a bunch of capital, you know, sitting around maybe in index funds or something? Um, what if they wanted to, you know, just break out, you know, 25, 50 K and, uh, purchase something that could potentially provide enough income to, uh, to live off of, what would you, what would you, uh, recommend? I would say it would depend on, you know, what type of, you know, variance they want to do endure. So in other words, like what I would do if I was in that position would be to start a business with it, knowing that, you know, maybe the business would or wouldn't work. Um, so if, if they're okay with that risk, I would probably, not necessarily use a lot of the money to do it, but start a business from scratch, um, fill a need that isn't, you know, isn't filled right now. Um, if they just wanted to take that money and, and invest it and use that to basically create their new income source. Um, yeah, I think, I think it would be a good idea for them to basically buy like, you know, an e-commerce store or, um, you know, there's, there's other passive businesses. They could buy a, you know, a SaaS business that, that makes a couple grand a month. Um, as long as they, as long as they do enough due diligence to know that they'll be able to do it, um, know that they're not going to buy it and, you know, have sales drop out from under them. Um, so, you know, it, it takes a little bit of work. It's not, a lot of those deals aren't a hundred percent passive, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, it, if it were me, I would, you know, maybe there's a deal that they could look into to where, you know, they could create a certain brand or product in China um, which sounds, you know, sounds hard if you've never looked into it, but it's, it's, um, I know a lot of people getting into that space just because it's, you know, it's the same as a dropship store, except for the fact that you just create a new brand, um, takes a little bit of money on the front end and a uh, little time to set up, but it's a lot, I guess, safer and higher upside than, um, than doing dropship because you're, in dropship, you're selling the same stuff as everybody else. So although dropship is, is hundred percent passive for the most part. Um, it's also, there's less reason for people to want to buy from you as a drop shipper. Um, and that's where my experience is. So I'm talking about e-commerce stores specifically, but there's a lot of different spaces where, you know, somebody could jump in and buy something, you know, spend 25 to 50 K 
um, have anywhere from one to four thousand dollars a month in income off that. Um, so I think there's plenty of deals like that. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know if you want more specific examples, but uh, no, no, that's a great. Um, now is if uh, someone was hoping to just you know purchase something and you know sort of do what you did, purchase something. Uh, and learn learn from it as well is it uh, i know flip is like pretty much there it is usually focused on the more lower end stuff can you can you find some good 25 to 50k deals on there or are there other places that you would look to buy those types of businesses yeah flip is probably the lower end so most of flip's deals are like anywhere from you know a $500 website to maybe 50,000 um and 50 would be on the really high end for flip so if I was looking for, so let's say 25 to 50 K, um, you might find a couple on Flippa, but it's, there's not going to be a lot. So I would start, you know, maybe talking to small website brokers. Um, you know, most brokers deal in, you know, hundred K plus stuff just because they get paid a, a 10% commission. So doing like a 25 K deal isn't going to get them a lot of money for their time. Mm-hmm. Um, however, a lot of times those deals, you know, if they come across them, they may, maybe they'll just refer them off to you. If you, you know, ping enough brokers, um, you can say, Hey, I'm looking for, looking for something that's, you know, 25,000. Can you let me know if you find anything? And then what may happen is a broker may come across something, um, that they either normally wouldn't have taken and maybe they'll, they'll take it and try to work a deal for you. Or maybe they'll just send it your way and say, you know, cause it's too small of a deal for them. And, uh, maybe they'll say, Hey, you know, I have this person who asked me about this and they'll connect you with the person looking to, looking to sell it. Um, another thing that I did was I, I did tons of research and would find people who had a lot of stores online. Um, and you know, again, I say stores just cause that's the space I was in, but it could be any business. And I would find people who had a lot of different businesses and I would contact them. And I'd be like, Hey, do you have any, any sites that you aren't doing anything with? Um, uh, if so, let me know. Cause I'd be interested in buying them. So what happened for me was, you know, one guy specifically had like 20 sites and he had seven of them that he wasn't doing anything with. And so I bought a package of seven stores. Um, I didn't want anything to do with four or five of them. So I I bought it. I think I kept, you know, like three of them sold off four of them and, um, basically was able to break even on the deal from selling the stuff. Plus had three passive businesses that I kept. And you'll find a lot of times that you know, somebody else's trash can be your treasure. You know, if they're not paying attention to their smaller businesses. Um, and I think I gave one example of, uh, it was a horse saddle store. Um, the guy wasn't doing anything with that store and he lost his deal with the supplier. And, you know, since it was one of his small deals, he, he didn't have time to do anything with it. So basically I got the, you know, to keep the story short, um, I got the deal reset up with his supplier which took a little bit of work, but then a site that really wasn't making any money at all um, might have been making like a hundred bucks a month. Instantly, like the next month, we did like eight thousand in sales because the guy hadn't hadn't done anything with it. He wasn't paying attention to it. Wow. So there's deals like that out there that you know there it's more work to get into and find and you know find the opportunity. But at the same time, if you can buy somebody's junk, um, chances are that you know you may have some pretty good upside there just because they haven't they haven't looked at it for a while. That's really cool. And once you get it, um, I'm going to refer to one of your other posts here, uh, how to create a business that prints money. Um, you say there's only two steps to being successful, uh, in business. And, uh, step one is, uh, you know, you have to be, you have to know what you're creating and make sure that it's, uh, something that's more valuable than anything else that's currently in the market. And then step two, once you have step one done, you can then just figure out how to reach your potential audience. And, um, 
I think a lot of, and you mentioned this in the post actually, that, you know, most people are just focusing on step two. They're just, you know, creating their Twitter accounts and Facebook accounts and worrying about, um, you know, email lists and things to try to reach an audience, but they haven't figured out how to create something of value uh, that's better than everything else that's out there. Um, And the fact that you're successful in this space is, is just a, a perfect example of how what you're saying is actually true because you know, the, the make money online space is just extremely crowded, but here you are, you came out and you're producing just incredible articles and you quickly, you know, exceeded uh, everybody else that's, you know, doing the same thing that they've been doing for, you know, years. So it's uh, I think that's a excellent um, example of how, yeah, if you create something of really good value, then, um, that's the most important part. If you could talk a little bit more about that post. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So in, in your example on the, for the blogging was perfect. I mean, I know a lot of, uh, so for example, my blog isn't necessarily a business at this point cause I don't, I don't try and monetize it yet. But, um, yeah, when I looked into the blogging space, you know, I couldn't find a lot that, that I personally wanted to read because just cause of the stuff I was into, nobody was really talking about it. And, you know, I looked at the way most blogs were set up and, everyone was kind of writing about the same exact things in the same exact way. So kind of short articles. Um, you know, a lot of people had the, had the misconception that, Hey, I need to post three times a week. You know, as long as I do that, it'll, you know, it'll help my bit, help my blog or my business. And, um, so the gap in the market was, you know, the, the, the way that I could offer more value was, you know, basically taking a totally different approach and, and writing, you know, two, three, four thousand word articles, um, not really worrying too much about how often I put them out and um, just covering concepts in depth and you know talking about stuff that people weren't talking about. And that was filling that need in the market. And so um, in terms of the step two for that, a lot of times if you can solve step one in a big enough way, it kind of works as your marketing in a lot of ways. So in other words, you know, when I put a post out now, um, people do all my marketing for me. So, you know, example, my email list will share it. Um, people will tweet it and Facebook it and you know tell their friends about it if it's something that you know actually help them solve a need or they think it will help their friends solve a need. So um, you know a lot of times if you can solve you know the value end of it and say is this more valuable than anything else out there, um, if you can just get it in front of your audience, they'll do a lot of your marketing for you. That's great. I'm I'm actually going to quote you because uh, there's an amazing quote in that post. Um... It's actually in your welcome to forever jobless post, but uh, you're, you're talking about you know how everyone else in the in the space is you know focusing on the wrong things, and you say that their audience is looking for food and they're spending all their time uh, telling them how they could theoretically use a knife and fork. Um, problem is their plate is empty. Uh, no matter how great they become with their utensils, it won't matter. They're, they're still going to starve, and that's uh, that's that definitely really sums up like you're just uh, you're focusing on completely different things than most people in the space. But what you're focusing on seems to be the important part. And, and I, I don't read that much in the space. Cause like I said, it's uh, most of it just seems like, um, well, I, I'll quote you again, learn how to sell eBooks to people who want to sell eBooks about selling eBooks. Um, and that's what it feels like. So, uh, so yeah, your site is just, uh, I couldn't recommend it enough. So uh, really well done with it. And if the listeners out there haven't checked it out, definitely head over uh, to foreverjobless.com and uh, you won't be disappointed. Um, so yeah, we're, uh, we're sort of getting to the end of the interview here. Um, 
I usually end uh, all of my interviews by asking, you know, if somebody's hoping to pursue financial independence, you know, what what would be the one thing uh, that you would recommend? And it could be through entrepreneurship or otherwise. Just uh, what, what would be one piece of advice you'd give? I guess the so my one of my favorite quotes uh, is listen and take advice from those you aspire to be like and ignore everyone else. Um, so I guess, you know, part one of my, my feedback on that would be, um, you know, only listen to people who have been exactly where you want to be and then listen to everything they have to say. So read everything they put out, you know, listen to every podcast they put out and basically they have the answer. So a lot of things in, in business or investing, you know, someone else has done exactly what you want to do already. So all you have to do is, figure out how they did it, which, which, you know, sounds maybe hard, but it's actually pretty simple. Um, if you're just willing to put in the work and, you know, read and listen to them and, um, you know, figure out how they did it. Um, you know, unless you're Steve Jobs or Elon Musk, I mean, you don't have to reinvent anything to make a lot of money. Um, you know, a lot of times you just have to kind of follow exactly how someone else executed it and do that. I mean, it's easier for you to do it because someone else has already been there. Um, and I guess the second part of that advice would be, you know, I think a lot of people focus early on on, hey, I need to build up a lot of capital. I need a lot of money to you know, start a business or to invest, uh, whatever it may be. I think knowledge scales a lot quicker than money does. So what I mean by that is a lot of people are, a lot of people will maybe get a job and um, try and save up money. And they're not, a lot of the skills they learn won't help them as an entrepreneur or as an investor um, where, you know, let's say the same person got, a, a mentorship with you know, someone exactly what maybe it's you know maybe it's in China I don't know whatever it is that they want to do but you know if they got a free mentorship with that person you know by the end of you know six months or a year um, the knowledge that they gain from you know learning is going to scale a lot quicker than the money they would have saved up in their job and so um, I think you know I think people underestimate how important it is to be knowledgeable on subjects and, and to have a network. I mean, networking's another super important thing. I know I'm kind of probably giving off way too, way too many, but like networking and building, building knowledge up and building a network, um, will, will scale substantially quicker than, than having a, a little nest egg will, will do. That's awesome. Yeah, no, that's all great advice. Um, so if people want to learn from you, what's the, what's the best way I sign up to your email list? Yeah, yeah, they can they can head over to Forever Jobless. Uh, like you said, sign up for the email list. Excellent. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today, Billy. It's uh, it's great stuff. And uh, like I said, I love your site. I love what you're doing over there. So I'm really pumped uh, about the new podcast. So thanks again. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me on. Well, I hope you enjoyed my interview with Billy. Uh, he's a really interesting guy. Um, I actually had the pleasure of meeting him in person last year in St. Louis, and uh, we chatted for about 10 minutes. And, uh, yeah, just a really smart guy, and his his blog is just incredible. So if you haven't checked that out yet, definitely head over to foreverjobless.com. Um, I know we chatted about some of the articles, and I'll put those links in the show notes, but uh, all of them over there are just excellent. So take a look at that. Um, as we mentioned, he's also releasing a podcast today, which I'm really excited about. So uh, after you finish listening to this, uh, just head over to iTunes and check out uh, what he has on offer. Um, I don't know exactly how all the iTunes stuff works, but I'm pretty sure that if you get a lot of listens and comments and things like that in the first week, then it really helps put you on the charts as far as iTunes is concerned. And uh, 
help spread the word. So uh, to thank Billy for coming on the show, just uh, all you guys out there, head on over and leave him a nice review and uh, take a listen to his podcast, and that'll really help him out, I think. Um, speaking of reviews, I have to thank Ree for leaving a, a really nice review for the Mad Scientist Financial Independence Podcast. Um, you know, it's been a few months since I've posted, and I hadn't really been thinking of the podcast, but I, I just checked out iTunes one day, and there was just such a nice review that it actually really uh, prompted me to, you know, start arranging more interviews and things like that. So, uh, so yeah, thank you for all the kind uh, reviews of this show. Uh, it, it always helps, and it's always nice to see, and it definitely motivates me to, to keep producing more, so I really appreciate it. So, so yeah, thanks a lot to Billy again, uh, and thank you guys for listening, and I'll, I'll catch you next time. Thanks. The expected value of X equals finance.